Comics Therapy, Episode 74. No reviews, just analysis. I'm Aaron Myers, and my co-host, as always, is Andrea Shockling. Up this week, two comics from February 18th, 2015. The Multiversity, Mastermen, number one, and Bitch Planet, number three. In between segments, listen to another second opinion. And just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. Hi. Uh, my name is Matt Roberts. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, on Twitter, at MR underscore Obert. I am here today with a second opinion for this week's episode of the lovely Comics Therapy Show. Um, so, uh, yeah. I started reading comics when I was about six or seven years old. Uh, and depending on how my memory is working on whatever particular day, I either got a Flash comic, uh, issue 283, I think, uh, I should remember that, uh, or, uh, Avengers number 250. Now the Flash comic was published first, so it makes me think that maybe that was my first comic that I ever got. Um, I did leave comics for a bit through my teens, which thankfully coincided with the 90s. Uh, got back into it at age 29 in 2006 uh, with Civil War, so and I've been going ever since. And also, uh, also going back and buying some of those ones that I had when I was a kid that I stupidly got rid of. Welcome to Comics Therapy. Neither Aaron nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week's theme is Under the Thumb of the Man. Or as I like to say, just another week talking about the fucking patriarchy. blah 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 Both books feature oppressive regimes targeting and eliminating undesirables that don't fit into their precious worldview. Coincidentally, both leaders of those regimes are middle-aged white men drunk on the power of their own ignorance. Like Aaron. This is going to be great. Mm. Each episode in between comic segments, you'll hear one listener answering a series of questions, sharing his or her favorite comics, creators, and more. We call it a second opinion. If you'd like to play along at home, you can leave your own response for us to use on a future show. The prompts are on the website, comicstherapy.com, and you can call, Skype, or email your MP3 to us. Remember to read comics responsibly, kids, and always get a second opinion. As far as how I like to read my comics, I prefer left to right, top to bottom. Uh, I do buy them in print at Bridge City Comics in Portland, Oregon. Probably the best town to live in if you happen to be into comics. It's pretty nice. I do read digital, but I'm more of a practical reader of digital comics, whereas, like, it's, you know, instead of hauling a bunch of comics on vacation with me or... Um, if I really want to read something, but it would be cost prohibitive to get in print, I'll buy it digital. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter at Andrea Shock and Aaron at Aaron Myers. The show account is at Comics Therapy. Aaron, I'm super glad that you're not dead any longer. Mm-hmm. After being sick yet again. Yes. 
And wasn't it lucky? Still sick currently. Really? Always. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it lucky that I decided to go away for the weekend? Um, that is always nice for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Wasn't it especially nice that I told you about it in advance? <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. I mean, it's good communication. Right. Helps. Like uh-huh. on Friday being like, hey, I'm, I'm in San Diego. Like, cool. I guess we'll not record a show. But you were dead. So I was doing you a favor. No, I wasn't dead on Friday. I didn't start dying till Saturday. Hmm. There was plenty of time to record shows for people that want to listen to them, but I guess you had other things you needed to do. I did. You had to get away from the terrible weather in San Francisco and go down to San Diego. Yeah. Man, it was beautiful down there. I bet. It's beautiful here, but it was like extra beautiful there. You forget I've lived in both areas that you were at. Right, but right now you live in Oregon. It's also nice here. Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll remind you of that next time you complain about your weather. I don't think I ever do. That's a I, lie. I knew what I signed up for when we moved here. Hmm, okay. We could have stayed in San Diego, paying huge, crazy prices for houses that are 80 years old and living out in the desert and calling it saying we live in San Diego, even though you're eight miles in and you're really living in El Cajon. So I don't know what that means, but I can tell you that San Diego is a lot cheaper than San Francisco. Sort of. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, I can't speak about housing prices because I was obviously not in the market for buying a house for the weekend, Mm -hmm. but restaurants and things, like we were dying. It was so much cheaper than up here. Um, Yeah, I believe that. The tech boom in San Francisco has probably raised the prices basically on everything. It's fucking ridiculous. And like you don't recognize it when you're in the middle of it and then you step outside of the bubble and you're like, this is absolutely fucking bananas. Yeah, and housing is probably still more expensive now in the Bay Area, but I mean... Oh, it's totally. It's the most expensive place in the country right now. But the thing about San Diego is people say San Diego and everyone thinks the beach. Anything on the beach even if it's a little bungalow, is over a million dollars. Yeah, but that's true everywhere. That's true on the East Coast, too. Sure. I mean, where you were at, like La Jolla area, if you went down to the beach, those houses, you know, start at $10 million. So, and and that's the part of San Diego you want to live in. (laughs) I wasn't in La Jolla. You were in La Jolla Village, you said. That's where the game was. That's not where I was staying. No, I know. I understand. You stayed at, like, the Hyatt downtown or... The Four Seasons <laughs> or, the or something Valley like that. Holiday Inn, your choice. <laughs> there was a twenty-four hour Jack in the Box right next door, though. I I know that where that one is. And a Sizzler. Great. <laughs> this is fascinating. I'm sure people are you. enthralled by. What this. did you do in the meantime? Uh, at that point, I was. No, laying I don't in the care bathroom. what you did last weekend when you were sick. What did you do? I don't know. This week. <laughs> I was sick pretty much up until Thursday. And I'm the one who's always telling the same stories over and over again. Look, it's the story it's going to be for, I guess, years. These, like, super preschool sicknesses. But you are the only one who seems to be as susceptible as you are to constant death. Untrue. I held out for almost two weeks. The rest of the family was sick. You being the Myers clan in Eugene, Oregon, constantly sick and, I don't know, take some vitamins or something. You know, I've 
I like to talk about it. I like to share with people. So therefore it becomes this sort of anomaly apparently, but I think people are way sicker in their heads, in their hearts and in their bodies than we are. I don't, I don't know where you're going with this one. Uh, let's, let's take you for example. Oh, oh, can we? Yes. <laughs> Please, I think can we you, talk I think about you're... how sick I am in the head? That's awesome. Yeah. That's my favorite topic. I think you're sick far more than I am. What kind of sick? You name it. Uh, okay. No, Anything I think, else? I think Aaron? you get colds. You just ignore it, and so it lasts longer, and then you say you can't do a show, and then I have to make an excuse that we were busy or something. To try to save face for you. I'm trying to protect you, but I mean, every, everyone knows what's going on. Anything else? Um, not this week. I wish I'm, I wish I had more to talk about, but next weekend I've got a big comic swap I'm excited about. Oh, that's fun. It's yeah. cute when you do that. No, I've only done it once. <laughs> but it should be as cute as the last time, I hope. Okay. Uh, is it up in Portland again? Yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's should be exciting. That's like a true. That feels like one of the pure, like truly um, nerdy comic experiences that are available now. Just one. Um, there's a second one that's starting actually too. Uh, and it is. Um, it is in Salem. It's not in Portland, and it's the same sort of thing where it's a people bring you know swap me slash you know, comic swap slash some smaller vendors can bring their things. Mm, okay. Kind of, you know, gathering where it's not creators, it's just people with their collectibles and wheeling and dealing. Are you all ready for Emerald City? I don't think so. It's like a month away, dude. I installed the Uber app on my phone. <laughs> I feel like that's a big step in preparation. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. Why would I need that here? We don't need Uber in Eugene. <laughs> oh my god, that's that just that made my day. Apparently made though my, there my is week. like one car that's signed up for it that you can can get sometimes. <laughs> in Eugene? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay. And you have a yeah. place to stay? Yes, I need to when you're driving? lock that down, but yep. I guess what day are you getting into town? I'll be driving up on Friday and leaving on Sunday. Okay. Okay, right? cool. So I've got I've got some time before I have to deal with you. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to deal with me at all. Oh, awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. I've got lots in the works that I'm I am juggling all kinds of requests right now. Wow. From from whom? People. There are people the, out there. Who are these people? You know, friends, well-wishers, fans. Huh. Uh-huh. Must be nice. Yeah, people like me. You know, when you're, cool. ni when you're nice to people, people tend to like you. It's, some mm. it's something you should try. I I'll work on that. Okay. I mean, if you need any pointers, <laughs> tips, I made a little, like, write-up, kind of, like, scripts to tell talk. You know, because it's not really natural to me. You're going to have note cards. Yeah. Flashcards, right? That's mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, you want me to start explaining some comic books to you? I guess. I, I just, yeah. We or can talk about comics. We, I don't have to. You can tell me other things. No, I, that's all I got. My favorite, one of my favorite current titles right now is uh, Mind Management from Matt Kent and published by Dark Horse. Uh, Matt Kent, Matt does the bulk of the work on it, writing as well as the artwork. I believe his wife 
Charlene uh, does do some of the coloring on it. Um, one of the reasons I like it, a couple of reasons I like it so much is that uh, one, it's one of the few comics that I have to buy or that I have to read with a clear head. I almost never read it on Wednesday when I come home from a long day at work in the comic book store. I have to usually wait until Saturday morning when I'm a little bit more clear-headed, depending on how my Friday night went. Uh, <laughs> um, it also needs to be read multiple times because each one is a bit of a puzzle. The the artwork is the other reason I like it is the, the atypical artwork. It's not, you know, it's not the regular, I don't know how to describe it without being mean to the typical artwork that you see in comics, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really like it. It's, it's atypical. It's great. Check it out. Our first book this week is The Multiversity Masterman, number one, written by Grant Morrison, with art penciled by Jim Lee, inked by Sandra Hope, Mark Irwin, Scott Williams, and Jonathan Galpian. Colors are by Alex Sinclair and Jeremy Cox, and lettering is by Rob Lay. The Multiversity Masterman is published by DC Comics. So here's the solicit. Understanding that you probably all know what the multiversity is doing with these uh, kind of single issue examinations of parallel universes. Imagine a world where the Nazis not only won World War II, but went on to direct world culture for the next 60 years with the help of an orphaned alien superweapon known as Overman. But hope is not lost. Rising from the ashes of oppression is a diverse band of heroes raging against the fascist regime. A band of heroes known as the Freedom Fighters. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. So here we go. This is our first oppressive uh, you know, power for the day. The Nazis, tried and true, right? Sure. Can't, can't really talk about uh, oppression without referencing the nazis there's like an internet meme about it and everything <laughs> that that is true um <laughs> it's funny like this week i read this and i re- watched the pilot to the man in the high castle which, i don't know what that is uh it's the man in the high castle let me explain it to you is oh boy here we go is a book by philip k dick that is over 40 years old so if you haven't read it too bad spoilers which is about the world. If if the Germans developed the H bomb before we developed the um, nuclear bomb, and Got it. Okay. and won the war along with Japan, uh, where the the country is split between Japan and Germany. Okay. And there's more, but that's the essential sure. conceit. So similar to similar to this in a lot of ways. Is it a sci-fi pilot? Yes. Oh no, it's on Amazon. Sorry. Oh, okay. It is a sci-fi book, though. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just got picked up for a full series, so I'm excited about that, because the pilot was really good. How long did it take you to start comparing this to Red Sun? Um, First it, page? Second page? Seventh page? I mean, yeah. it's This is this is Red Sun and The Man in the High Castle combined together. <laughs> together. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, whatever. Sure. Sure. I don't think it's sustainable for though. anything longer than this, though. I would say the Nazi ideology and the Russian communist ideology are slightly different. Sure. You know, the a 
Aryan nation, a perfect, you know, a perfect master race versus sort of the ideals of communism are, are far different from each other. Absolutely. Right. But the uh, notion of plopping a Superman character down outside of America mm-hmm. and, you know, universal freedom or some such ilk is, I think, what is similar, right? Sure. You know, yeah. you give Superman to the bad guys in both of those cases, and here's what they're gonna, here's how they're gonna run with it. Right. Here's the other, I think this is the other thing that kind of comes up a lot. It's the debate between what's the difference between a freedom fighter and a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Because we tend to, um, I mean, obviously we we have mythologized and look at our founding fathers as, you know, people who liberated the United States and, and founded our country. But mm-hmm. if you're on the British side, they were domestic terrorists who were, you know... Kill, killing the, popu- the population and uh, and citizens of the crown. I remember asking very seriously in AP history in high school why they couldn't just say, hey guys, we don't want to be part of your country anymore. Is this cool? And like have a conversation about it. <laughs> and I, it was a very, very honest question. I wasn't just being an asshole. But it occurred to me at that age, and I guess there's a kernel of that that I still hold on to. Like, can't we just talk about it, guys? Do we have to, like, fucking blow each other up over it? Well, that happened with other countries eventually. You know, they were under Certainly. rule for much longer, but, you know. There are examples of talking it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's not the American But way. there's a lot more examples of blowing shit up. Historically, man, there's not a whole lot of difference between, like, what we have been doing in the Middle East in the last decade and... You know, what happened in our country 150 years ago. I think there are examples of it all over the world. Oh, for sure. And throughout yeah. history, over and over and over again. And and your point about freedom fighter versus terrorist is, is apt. Bigger than that, though, is I guess the question of, like, who gets to decide if you're being oppressed? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think freedom is a fairly... That that's not really like, there there are definitions of freedom that are definable in in terms of the political and social sense. There are definitions of oppression that are as well. Right, but I would say the masterman society that's portrayed here is not a free society. Certainly. And maybe that's the, is that the difference? Because I don't know. I mean. Our occu- occupation of other countries are not it. free societies either. But. That's you saying it's not a free society because certain aspects of what freedom means to you are missing. But the conversation that they have in this issue about nobody wants for anything, like it's a perfect society, everything is great. You know, you can be within the midst of it and, and not... I guess you can sort of dismiss the importance of freedom if you're interpreting everything else as being more essential and and ideal. I guess it's a matter of what your priorities are too as a society. Is mm-hmm. freedom the ultimate? Is everything else secondary to freedom? If so, then okay, you can you can sacrifice and and not have the the perfect Sort of, I, I guess you know, you can't have a perfect society and have a free society. True, but uh, you can also be a lot more cavalier about freedom 
when you are not at the bottom of that societal hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you are one of the oppressors, what do you need with freedom? You actually do have everything you need. You actually are free to do whatever you want to do. It's it's a word at that point. It's not an ideal. Sure, absolutely. But then you're talking also about what what structural, you know, judicial, etc. Like, what do you have in place that makes your society free? And is there room for debate in that? And that's not what's in place in either of these two societies today. Like, in either of these books. Yes, and in this first book that we're talking about, I would say, because it's an occupied society. You know, this is occupied land. That there's... Well, hold up, because... I Okay, without... Without taking this out of the context of the comic. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to get into an actual debate about occupied territories in the world today. But at what point after you have taken over, are you no longer occupying? You you just are. Uh, significant amounts of time. How long is that? And, and it's also about leadership and centralized, centralization of power. So if, if we were still ruled by you know, Great Britain... And our laws, you know, that governed us came down still from geographically across, you know, across the ocean. Mm-hmm. It would still be an occupation in that sense. Why? And you're using a real world example. I don't want that. Tell me what the difference is between occupying for a long enough amount of time that you become the norm. You are it. And 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 whatever it is that you're saying is actually going on. Enough generations have passed that people don't know it any other way. Okay. And that's not the case in, in you know, in terms of Masterman. Like the the okay. war, you know, the war is still fresh in in some regards. So that's why they're freedom fighters and not just terrorists. Yeah. Because they I guess have so. a a cultural memory of what it was like. A, yeah, cultural and ideal, ideological memory, sure. Okay. I mean, that, that's, that's what I can consider because, I mean, you know, look at, yeah, I mean, we still have to look at our, our own country and after, how long is it that, you know, the United States is non-occupied territory from people that came here across a land bridge? That's why I'm trying to avoid having that actual conversation. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that is sort of the human experience, I suppose, but. Mm-hmm. I, and it's one that I find uh, very troubling and it it's like a very kind of emotional conversation for me that I don't that is outside of the context of this particular comic like it, it really is it's is not it? that I don't want to have a debate about occupation in you know in the world and, and America's role whether it be heartfelt and like really trying to be doing better for its citizens but um, actually kind of terrible and making bad choices or if it's like a little bit more sinister than that a little bit more evil i i want to stay outside of real world examples because we happen to have two books that are like teeming with this kind of fantastical oppressive society that neither you nor i live in today not saying it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. but we don't live in it and so we can use these books to talk about what that would mean, but I don't 
Like, I actually don't want to bring it back to what's going on, you know, on this planet because, because we cannot relate to that. Well, what, what is our fascination in literature then with these sort of dystopian stories? Is this dystopian? It is from, I, I would say it is because the perspective of it is from those who are oppressed and fighting against the society. If it was from the other side, I mean, it, it even even how Superman, or whatever, Overman, Overman right, <laughs> um, v- sees the cracks in society and sees the injustice is, is from the perspective of someone who is outside of and... And in his own way, oppressed by the society. Yeah, I thought that was sort of an interesting... I, I, I ended up wishing that there was more time to explore how he or, or some of his group had come to, to, to view like the initial push by the Nazis, like the, the actual like ethnic cleansing uh, ideals that the Nazis perpetuated, that they carried over in this story, but then there was obviously like a switch. And there were a lot of references to how that was uh, uh, like something from the past that they were ashamed of, but, but they weren't trying to hide, but like maybe didn't necessarily uh, match what was happening now. It's just like, you can't erase it. You can't, you can't say that it didn't happen. And the results of that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But I thought, uh, the several times that Overman had these kind of moments of acknowledging the evils of the past and, and kind of trying to make amends for them. Like there was a, there was some meat there that I was sort of interested in teasing out that it, that never never went anywhere with a story. Like what happens when you are the person in power in an oppressive regime and like maybe you don't want to oppress people anymore? I think that's where the person who's in charge finds out they're not really in charge. Well, how so? I think when there's a change of heart, there are still those who are comfortable within the society. Like the you can't... It's not a pull, you know, pull the the top of the tower off and the whole building collapses. In in sort of these dictatorships, there's someone to fill that power vacuum. Right. Once the society is established. Unless you have something like, you know, like a Superman who is basically unstoppable. That's where I was going to go with that. But But that's different. I mean, this is where we're looking at the comic books versus if you had Aaron don't don't bring it back to real life so that's why I was disappointed with this issue because that is what could happen when Superman gets to be in charge and gets to say wait a second this this oppressive bullshit thing that we've been doing for the past hundred years let's not do that anymore let's be agents of change for good like, that's a story that I would be really fascinated to, to delve into. Like, but you already have because that. Because he you do is have that. the one who's the pa- like in power. But you have that with, with Red Sun. Like, that's what Red Sun does. Sh- sure, but... Okay. So, I mean, okay. that's pointless to rewrite it. You know, this is... Right, right, right. This is within an event. So it's just sort of... Uh, it's like the what it's if... It's just a little Yeah, moment. it's a what right. if issue. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But, I, I mean, I, I like that. You know, it, it's the... In terms of these settings, you know, Superman is the unstoppable force. So when that force decides to change course and, and reverse, mm-hmm. 
the same, you know, the same inevitabilities are there. But I think it's also, it also is, shows kind of the wrongness of having one being, being in charge of, of society and a species. Mm-hmm. Because then there, there's no, you know, there, the people have no voice. And either, I think people need to have debates. Like, that's why democratic systems work. Or have it... So that you can talk it out? You can talk it out. And when that doesn't work, you know, you kill each other. But as long as the <laughs> tenets of society remain in place after the fallout clears, you know, you right. can get to do on. I also think... I also think war is good for the human race. Oh, what a fabulous segue into our second book. It is. You ready to do that? Yeah. I've got so much to tell you about this. Mm, can't wait. Uh, my other favorite title right now is uh, Hot Guy by Fraction in Asia. Uh, despite the release schedule, I still quite enjoy it. Uh, Hawkeye has been a favorite character of mine since I was a kid, and the creative team just adds to it. Uh, even when they've swapped out artists, it's been great. Um, Francisco Francovilla did a few, episode, uh, few issues. Amy Wu has been doing the Kate Bishop-centric issues, which are great as well. Um, and then I'd be remiss if I did not mention Pizza Dog, who is uh, one of my favorite characters. So, Past series that I'd recommend, I'm going to go with American Elf by James Kolchaka and published by Top Shelf. I don't, I don't know that a whole... I, I only know a handful of people that have ever read it. Uh, it's 14 years of a daily sketch diary, uh, give or take a few breaks here and there. Uh, not only do you see his progressions as an artist, you know, you look at the ones that started in 1998 compared to the ones that he was doing a few years ago. A um, lot of progression. Uh, progression in his hairline as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you also see his progression as a person and the progression of his family. His family grows and it shrinks and there's good times and bad times and it, it covers all the bases. Our second book this week is Bitch Planet Number 3. Written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by Robert Wilson IV, and colors by Chris Peter. Clayton Coles did the lettering. Bitch Planet is published by Image Comics. So this is the very brief recap at the start of this issue. In a future not so far away, troublesome and offensive females are jettisoned to the off-world penitentiary, commonly referred to as Bitch Planet. This is the story of one such woman. Her name is Penny Roll. And so in this third issue of this new series, we have like a step back and a more personal uh, examination into a single character who we've been introduced to in the first two issues. We got a lot of context in the second one explaining what had been thrown at us in the first one. And now we're kind of rounding it out a little bit and giving some, I guess, some more personality to the main players of the story. Yeah. Yeah. You know how like stories work. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get old really fast. So if you want to get it out of your system, you can pick one thing to mansplain me about and then we can actually have a conversation. Well, I mean, you know, this, this issue is about kind of looking at yourself and no matter what society tells you, being comfortable with who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, it's really good. It's, it's, it's a nice look at like how women can kind of love themselves you know, no matter what society tells tells them. You know what the worst part is? I can't tell sometimes when you're doing it and when you're not. 
<laughs> That's because we've we've successfully indoctrinated you <laughs> to where you just kind of roll with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just or you, you or you just don't know, so it's nice to have somebody explain it to you. <laughs> right? I mean, that's nice. I feel I'm doing you a service. Thank you. Okay, now we can move on. Now we can actually talk about sure. the oppressive regime of the book and not, you know, of the show. <laughs> Sure, but one is a reflection of the other. Right, right. That is the unfortunate world in which you live in, in which I own 51% of the show. But in all seriousness, just like in Masterman, we don't live in this level of oppression. We don't. No, but uh, a book about the subtle nuances of society is not going to be quite as engaging. Sure. And taking some of the the more disgusting aspects of a heavily patriarchal society, like heavily influenced by the male gaze, etc., and then blowing them way out of proportion and making that be kind of the norm in Bitch Planet is is the point. Yes. Like so so I get that. Like, you don't have to mansplain that part to I me. I think you just mansplained it to me. I, I think I did, but it's it's okay because I'm a girl. Oh, oh I see. So, right, right. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so the female-led society would be full of contradictions and uh, double standards. Probably. Have you met a woman outside of the internet? Oh, well, I mean, technically, not for a long time. <laughs> Oh, touche. You know, so <laughs> I think that is also a reflection of our society. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I was thinking as I was reading this how very much, just like with Mastermen, like being uh, influenced by things that we've read and, you know, you you had read something with similar themes to this or, or watched something with similar themes this week also. I, I was feeling that this was like we took... The Handmaid's Tale, like Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. and uh, America's Got Powers and smooshed them together. And that's not a very flattering description of Bitch Planet, and yet I keep coming back to both of those, at least so far in these first three issues, because, because of the ruling party, because of this like male-dominated and, and like male-dictated world on earth with traditional female roles being like manipulated to the point of of almost caricature uh-huh. and then then we also have this this like kind of fascinating layer on top of that that was introduced in the last issue where war is inevitable fighting is part of who we are and so like let's make a game out of it let's turn it into something that is entertaining for the masses so that the masses themselves aren't rising up against us sure and that is kind of amazing it's like a it it, it fits very much within um like that that power structure of of like the fathers of the patriarchy um in, in bitch planet i i wonder though <laughs> this is like so outside of what this book is supposed to be getting us to question but like why isn't there a planet for all the men that aren't 
into it. I mean, obviously, if we get the women in line, society's problems kind of go away. <laughs> I mean, come on, answer the u- question. Ultimately, I think that's what Kelly Sue is saying. <laughs> I think so too. Right. Um, because it's it doesn't really fit the narrative of the story. Like, I don't think it's meant to be a fully fleshed out world in that regard. That's that's fine, and I accept that as like that's not the story that is being told here. But speaking of dystopias, and and maybe that's why I have a love hate relationship with them, why I hate the fucking giver so much, <laughs> is that I always. I always want to pick them apart because by their nature, they're not perfect. By their nature, they are like held together by a very thin thread that is just so close to unraveling as soon as a small group of people start asking questions. Mm-hmm. And so my questions are like, well, what about the men who aren't into this? Because there would be. And then I have to stop, and I have to stop thinking about it like that because that's not what the story is. I mean, you know, I'm sure there are prison planets for men in this. Everybody gets a prison planet, right? Why not? Okay, it's a big universe. There's lots of planets. You can build prisons on them anywhere. (laughs) I would say, but there are there are dystopian stories. I think that are far more, um, you know, fully realized. They're just usually novels because you you can afford to do that. That's fine. Medium. That's fine. And I didn't mean to like completely derail the actual conversation. It's just that I I think about The Handmaid's Tale is a book that I read the first time about 15 years ago. And I think I read it again um let's see. Avi was little, so maybe 8 years ago. And it's one that has always stuck with me because there is um because there is a memory of what it was like beforehand. And and we have that in Bitch Planet also. Not enough time has passed, like you were saying with Masterman, that like not enough generations have gone by. There are people who like lived their own lives in a different way before the fathers came to be in power. And I think that that like transitional time when you go from a quote-unquote democratic society into like an oppressive regime is like really remarkable because the amount of buy-in that you have to have from a society when you basically tell them that they are now sheep and you're going to make all their decisions and they have to be like cool go along with that that's fucking crazy it's crazy to me to imagine what it would be like when you're first started feeding when you're when you first start feeding the propaganda machine uh, and that's what we're exploring sure. now in Bitch Planet. Yeah. It's like I'm, these women who remember what it was like before that. Right. But I think the difference between like sort of what the, the conceit and the, and the, um, and what this story is exploring versus how a society like this would actually take place. The difference is the timelines, you know, and how so? Well, technology and and time together in our real world make it much more possible for a society like this to evolve versus a kind of upheaval and power, you know, complete power change. I don't, I didn't read this as upheaval, like violent upheaval. 
I I read sure, but the, but you're the trying transition. To, you're trying to understand why it it happened. I don't think that matters. N- no, 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 no. I think it's very important to acknowledge that the women that we are seeing, like Cam and like Penny, who are going to be major players in what is happening with the women on Bitch Planet, they needed to have the perspective of what it was like before they lived in a patriarchy as as uh like cohesive as what we have in bitch planet Hmm. because otherwise they would be part of that machine anyway i don't i I don't know do you think that do you think that's true for our society then Mm, be more specific what are you actually asking well like living in there are a lot of women in our society who don't recognize that they live in like they don't see the patriarchy for what it is like you have to be taught that if you've always been a part of it. But if you are living through the transition from bad to worse, then you remember what it was like before. And then and then you want to fix it. Then you don't buy into it. Uh, I don't believe that. Because That's the whole point of propaganda. How do you not believe that? Because this goes back to this goes back to the um, what what are what are fundamentally right and wrong? Versus what does society, what is society deemed as right and wrong? Okay. So. Break it down for me. What are you talking about? So without, you know, with the comforts of availability of food, resources, and, you know, shelter, technology, things that take away this sort of basic hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know it's wrong to treat another member of society regardless of gender you know, unequally. Do you? I, I would say 10% of hum, human, the human population would, would innately understand that. That's a really small number that you're talking about. Sure. But, but that's, I think. But if all you have ever seen is that this is the way that it is, and if you've grown up with it, and it is presented to you, and it is just accepted, and you don't see anybody questioning it, questioning it then even if you're part of that 10 percent i would say two percent of that 10 is actually going to take action against it of course and that's where you get your freedom fighters or you end up on a prison planet but what are you going to do to fix the society when you're stuck in a prison planet or where you're marched off to a death camp i mean like that is the that is the sort of definition of these totalitarian societies that have are entrenched that Perhaps they are, they are something you can get rid of. Right. So that's why it's so important for those, that first generation or that first round of people who have like a collective memory of what it was like before, who haven't accepted it, who have who have lives that they can recall experiences that belong to them that can never be taken away from them. Even if they now are completely oppressed, like they, they can't lose that. And so that 10% or that 2% can use that to like channel action to like stand up and say, no, that this is not okay. Yeah. I don't think think it's much harder to do that after a while. But is that only, is that only something that, is that will come about or is that is important not important but is that only viable in terms of what would be on the morally 
correct spectrum because there mm-hmm. there there are plenty of people that will grow up in a society you know that are growing up in a society that oppresses people who are sexually attracted to the same gender sure is it important for a the percentage of those who believe that that is in, you know still not okay for them to pass that on to the next generation to keep up the fight no because it's morally wrong I don't know where you're going with this. I'm not being a jerk. I honestly don't know what, like, help me understand how you're making that as a reasonable point. Because it is a societal change for the good, right? So we are, as a society, stamping out this this way of thinking that is obviously oppressive to, to a, a portion of our population that does not make us okay. a free society. Right. Just on, as we are, but you're saying, you know, when, when, when a, when something is, you know, taken away from society, good or bad, a percentage of the population that came before that, that knew a society before that, it's important for them to rally the cause in order to perpetuate no. the... No, 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 uh, no. I'm not talking about just taking stuff away from, from society and like rallying behind that. I'm, I'm talking about much bigger like ideological lapses in freedom, in, in access, in, you know, I, I'm talking within the world of the comic book, uh-huh. what it would mean to go from our current society, which yes, is male dominated, which yes, is like rife with problems and oppression of its own. And then pushing that way to the extreme to the society that we see in Bitch Planet. Like, what would it take? No, I'm not... I don't care about what it would take. Okay. That's a whole separate investigation. I'm saying that it is incredibly important from a character point of view to have those few people who remember what it was like before, who were athletes, who were business owners, who lived in a world where they weren't subjugated to the extent that they are in Bitch Planet. And, you know, before the whole idea of a Bitch Planet existed, right? Like, they they aren't sheep. Everybody else is in the process of transitioning to, like, sheep status. If you lose what it was like before that, it's so much harder to undo it. It's not about whether it was right or wrong or like morally, you know, like I, that's why when you when you're talking about just the loss of something and you have to hold on to it, that that's an inaccurate comparison. I think you're I think you're wrong. OK. And all I, all I, right. all I can do is cite is cite real world examples. But you haven't cited a real world example that fits the same context that that I'm using for bitch well look at Africans brought to this country as slaves okay generations past so that that first generation doesn't necessarily you know exist anymore and yet we know you know they we know that the somebody who grew up as a slave and knew nothing but a slave's life still yearn for freedom and it's the same in terms of bitch planet you could grow up in the society having only known the father's society 
and still yearn for equality and the same opportunities as a man. But the opportunity to change that, to fight against it, is fleeting. It's so much more difficult. you got to strike while the iron is hot, okay? Before it becomes the norm, before the collective like consciousness of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable has been like switched over permanently in one direction or the other or else then you have the legacy of slavery for example that is just fucked there there can you actually imagine a time in this country where we are not still dealing with the legacy of that disgusting machine that was created hundreds of years ago it perpetuates every single aspect of american society today it is the root of so many issues that like we don't have an easy way to solve if it had been stopped way back when it was started that is a completely different problem that's like a an isolated incident hey you know what you actually can't do that to another human. Oh, sorry, I'm a terrible person. We're done now. Instead, what we have is an entire entire system that is based around like the dehumanization of another group of people that is still in place today. So when you look at a book like Bitch Planet that is talking about that division based on gender, when I'm interested in exploring like what it would be like to be one of those first women who can still remember when it wasn't this bad and they want to they want to fix it they want to get back to it or maybe they don't because it's really fucking hard it's really hard to fight against the system but i'm arguing that it would be that, that you have a better chance of doing it if it hasn't become so accepted if you can still find maybe you can tap into more than two percent of that ten percent for your freedom fighter coalition to, to make that change. I and that you agree. have to do it sooner rather than later. Sure. I Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> that analysis of the society. But, <laughs> but we're, I think, I think in terms of this society, you're maybe in a post, you know, the you're in a post establishment. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's so new that this is an easy society to tear down. I don't think it is either. But I think that that uh, that it's new enough and that it is important to the to Penny mm-hmm. remembering what it was like, remembering who she was and who she is. It's like such a poignant moment when like she is who she is and that's who she wants to be. The end. Yes. I think if anything, you know, the Stanford prison experiment shows you that the oppressor and the oppressee are equally imprisoned by by that relationship. You need one to, like, you need to be able to oppress somebody in order to be a successful oppressor. Yeah, or you know, you you spend <laughs> your your time and energy oppressing as opposed to growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, but I am exhausted while, at the end of the day. You run out of people. You run out of people to oppress. Well, then your job's done. Well, that's when you, but like that's when you can Men, log off the internet, close out Reddit, and you know, take a nap. In Mastermind, you get rid of all the people that you that you are oppressing, 
Like, you, you actually physically eliminate them. Yeah. Then you have this perfect society, but, like, there's still problems. Like, your job yeah. is actually never done. Working hard, oppressing as the man, I guess, right? Sure. I mean, I think hum- humanity is never done kind of churning within itself. Otherwise, it stagnates. Yeah, we're just pretty much all terrible. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess... We, we tend to we tend to thrive as a species under extreme conflict. Yeah, but conflict with one another is so contrary to what it means to be like a, a species perpetuating itself. Sure. We just haven't discovered another species out there in the universe to <laughs> to go to war with. Uh, well, we've got an entire planet's worth that we've been pretty good at. Right, but man, imagine the day we discover life, like intelligent life on another planet that we can go to war with. That will be the greatest day in human history. Because we won't hate each other as much? No, we'll band together under our oh comment. Oh my god, that's the most depressing thing you've ever said. <laughs> if you don't believe that's true. I do, and it bugs me you. out, and that's... Maybe that's why I have this, like, back and forth with dystopian stories. Because there's something so fundamentally human about how disgusting humans are to one another. That, like, I really have a hard time dealing with it sometimes. And and Bitch Planet isn't really showing me that. Because there's, like, a celebratory nature to those individuals who are being oppressed like we're rooting for them and like we don't see we don't see all of the disgustingness like we're aware of it it's obviously present there's a whole fucking planet for people who don't follow the rules for example but it it i don't find it as disheartening as some other books that that like present just how bad it really could be Masterman was much more depressing, I think. Sure, yeah, there because no you're extermination of, of large swaths of the population. Sure, sure. There's like there's no hope when you use like Nazi Germany as a metaphor for anything. <laughs> no. Whereas this, this there's potential here for there's there's potential for for change in a way that like you can root for you can root for the women. Yeah, it, you know they 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 are empowered, even though they are imprisoned. Okay, sure, maybe. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, it's early on, but it's fine to talk about what is possible. <laughs> is it possible we yeah. can end the show now? Yeah, I think I'm done yelling at oh you. Oh my god, I'm exhausted by that tirade. That was a lot. That was a lot of yelling. You know, it, me 20 years ago wouldn't have had to put up with you yelling at me for 20 minutes. Because you couldn't have talked to a woman for 20 minutes 20 years ago. Yeah, look how far we've come as podcasters, <laughs> as friends, and as a society. I was talking about your growth as an adult speaking to another adult. I'm very proud of you, Aaron. Oh, thank you. So kind mm-hmm. of you to say. You're very welcome. I mean that sincerely. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you today. <laughs> uh, feel better and take care of your kids, dude. Oh, yeah, the kids, right. Right. Be a dad. Well, Be a good husband. Give your wife the day off. Get off the fucking computer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sounds like a truly dystopian <laughs> society within my own household. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Don't forget to subscribe to your books 
at your local comic shop or online. Any information that you need about the show or about us is on our website, as always, comicstherapy.com. Did I forget anything? Just that we'll see them next week. Awesome. Will we actually? Uh, That's up to you. I'm here 24-7. Cool. Cool. See you guys next week. My last recommendation that I think I'm going to go with today is uh, the Best American Comics series. Uh, It's something that had been publishing since 2006. Uh, It's put out by Hot Mifflin. Just beautiful hardcovers. Each... Each edition has a new guest editor. It's pretty typical of the other best American, you know, best American crime stories, best American short stories, best American humor. I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot of those series. Anyway, um, yeah, they've been publishing it since 2006. Uh, Harvey Picar has edited Jeff Smith, Alison Bechtel, uh, Charles Burns, et cetera. Uh, kind of some, indie comic heavyweights there uh i really like these i first got hooked on them checking them out of the library but now i had to buy them um it's where i let read a lot of my first stuff by uh the hernandez brothers chris ware kate beaton dash shaw jeff smith allison bechtel dirt factor joe sacco all of, like a lot of it's a lot of stuff you don't typically just go and grab in the comic book store and it's a good way to get out of your comfort zone i think and learn maybe find out something that you enjoy that you didn't know you enjoyed uh, so yeah i i recommend those a lot i mean there's you know a uh, couple of the downsides to it. There is going to be some really weird stuff that's probably not in your wheelhouse at all, but you read it anyways because whatever, you got the whole damn book. And then uh, it does suffer sometimes from repeat uh, business from the who they pick. Anytime Chris Ware publishes something, it's going to be in there. So, uh, But it is still, uh, despite those things, it is quite fantastic. There's some great snippets of books in there that you're going to see and uh yeah so that was my second opinion uh everybody have a good week and you can not only can you check me out on twitter at mr underscore overts but i am also one third of the didn't read a podcast which you can check out at didn't read it um so yeah uh all right have a good week everybody Boxes, I'll get out. You can't hold me in these chains, I'll get out. Father, free me from this bondage. Knowing my condition is the reason I must change. Your stinking resolution is no type of solution. Preventing me from freedom, maintaining your pollution. I won't support your lie no more. I won't even try no more If I have to die, oh Lord That's how I choose to live I won't be compromised no more I can't be victimized no more I just don't sympathize